Well, happy Sabbath. My name is Maria Lodenkamp, and I am one of the ASI early teen leaders, and it has been a privilege to work with the early teens this week. Um, I'm also working with Joshua Fine, and we have brought up four representatives from our class that are just going to share a little bit about what they've been learning and a little bit about their experiences and what they're taking home with them um, that God has touched their hearts with. Madison, can you share a little bit about what you've been learning this week? Our theme this week in early teen was knowing him and knowing why. And last night when Pastor Ashrick spoke, he spoke on how we have to know God personally and we can't count on what other people say about him. We have to have a personal experience with him. And it really, God really impressed upon me through his words that I need to get a closer, have a closer relationship with God. That's beautiful. All right, April, I understand that you and the early teens uh, went out yesterday and had the opportunity to do something. Would you like to tell us about that? Well, yesterday we had an awesome time going tubing down the Salt River, and I really enjoyed it. I got to see all the rock formations, which was really beautiful, and the Lord just blessed. I got to see wild horses, which is really nice. I love horses, and it was just really a big blessing to just go down and have fun with my friends, and I just feel closer to God out in nature. We had a little miracle happen as well. We got delayed about 45 minutes, and when we went back, the bus driver told us we could not get the food for our youth, and so we quickly had prayer as staff, and God helped us all through that. The subway manager um, brought the food to the bus just off the highway, and we got our youth fed. They were pretty low after tubing for about four hours, so we were very grateful for that. Um, Angela, we went on an outreach today that was very, very exciting. Would you share a little bit about that with ASI? Yes, our early teen group went to the Native American Reservation, and it was just a wonderful experience to go help this teacher there. She's only one teacher for the whole school, and our group went there, and there was, we all went out there, and we had a wonderful time working together. Um, I was with a group that was working with art supplies, we were organizing it, cleaning the closets out. We had other groups that were working on construction. We had people that were helping in the kitchen. We had a lot of things that were going on there. And it was just really a blessing to be there and also to realize how blessed we are because the children that go to this school, they don't have functional families like we do. And their parents are using drugs and alcohol. And the school is a place where they can go and get a blessing and be a safe environment. So it's really a blessing and blessing to realize how blessed we are. Now, Sarah, you've, you've been to the meetings, you've participated in the outreach today. Is there something that you've learned or something that you've heard that you want to take back home and put into practice? Um, when Pastor Asherick spoke in our class and how he said you need to search the scriptures for yourself and not always depend on what other people are saying to you, you need to go and look for yourselves, not listen to what other people are saying to make sure they're right. Amen. I want to say it's been a privilege working with these young people, seeing their hard work today at the outreach and, and seeing their teamwork and their participation has been wonderful. And I want to say to the parents that this would not have been possible if you had not entrusted your kids to us. And so we want to personally thank you and we want to thank the young people as well.
Well, good evening, everyone. We are, uh, my name is Emmy, and I'm with the uh, ASI Youth Department. And uh, this year, our theme, as you might be able to tell by our shirts, if it's close enough, was do good. And uh, this year, we wanted to focus on doing good because, actually, it was because I had read in Christ's Object Lessons, a book you all might be familiar with, that it is through service that we come into contact with Christ. And it actually, she says, becomes the connecting link between us and Him. And so we wanted our kids to have uh, our youth, our young men and women, to uh, have some exposure to the thoughts behind doing good. So we have had some excellent seminars. We have had some excellent preaching. We're going to continue having some excellent uh, presentations and some um, profound thoughts being presented to us both tonight and tomorrow. We're really looking forward to those presentations. But I would have to say, uh, and I think the young people would agree with me, that the most memorable part about this year at ASI has been our time at the Maricopa Village Christian School. You're looking at pictures right there. And uh, I'm just going to let Jessica, who is the teacher at the school, tell you a little bit about the school, and then we'll get into the pictures. Good evening, everyone. Um, as Imian was saying, uh, they came out to work at our school. Our school is uh, a little Adventist school on the reservation, and it's been there for, this is going to come up upon the eighth year. And I've been there for seven of those years, and it's been a real blessing to see God work in the school. It started out in the front room of a trailer, and... Um, over the years, we moved into a little house, which later became a condemned building, and we were wondering, oh no, is it going to close? What are we going to do? There's no money. This building's falling apart, which is the house that, the white house in some of the pictures. And we started praying about it, and God blessed us with that building you're seeing right now. It only took 57 days from the time we started looking for a new building to get that one delivered. And so our school is meeting a need in the community that would not be met if it wasn't for our little Adventist school. It's, in, it's kind of secluded. A lot of people don't have cars in that area. A lot of people, um, most of the homes um, have drugs and alcohol. And so the kids, you know, if it wasn't for this, they probably wouldn't have a spiritual connection. So it's a real blessing. A lot of the kids I've had all the way through, they've just stayed with the school. And so I really feel after being there all these years, I can tell that if it wasn't for our little Adventist school, which is a mission school, it's supported by donations. If it wasn't for that, they would probably not have any connection to God. And it's a real blessing for me to see them change because when they came and when I get new students, they're really hard and, you know, they're just, it's a hard, it's a hard life for them to grow up in. And um, it's nice to see a transformation. And that it's, I was telling some people yesterday, Bible class, first thing in the morning, 9 a.m., they are listening to every single word. And it's, it's a real blessing. They love learning about God and um, getting to see them change and their hearts soften. And so I'm so grateful for these guys coming out here and helping. I mean, they have done so much work that I could have never done. I mean, it's amazing. They helped me clean and organize and get things together, and it's just been a real, real blessing. They work so hard in that hot sun, and now we're miles ahead of where we've been because it's, you know, money's tight, and there's not a lot of workers out there, and um, it's it's tough, and it's it's tough for me being there all these years. It's, it's hard to be out there in the mission field, and you don't always know if things are, you know, you're expecting to see these big, great 
things happen so fast and then you know you're there and you see that it's a slow process and sometimes you can get discouraged and all of these youth that have been there have like lifted me up big time I'm so ready to start year number eight out there wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it again this year and I was praying all summer God fill me up I need to have you in me to work through me so I can do this again because it's so hard I pick them up first thing in the morning feed them breakfast teach them cook them lunch clean it up, teach them the rest of the day, take them home at the end of the day, and then I got to clean up, and it's like, I don't know if I can do it again. But just, it's been such a blessing working with all these guys, and they have filled me up, and I'm ready to do it again. And praise God for him working there, because if it wasn't for him, nothing would have happened. And I've seen him take it from the trailer to the little house that was our school for four years, and now we're in this what I feel like is like a Hilton, it's gorgeous, you know? Other people are like, it's just a trailer, and I'm like, no, that is the coolest school ever. So um, praise God for working and for enabling all of us and as servants for him and helping us to have what we need to accomplish what we need to accomplish, so. Amen. Now these kids, these young people, they worked hard, and we actually didn't finish everything. But uh, there was a couple of kids who went back, and here I am with the word kids again, who went back today, and uh, Joseph was one of them. Joseph, what happened? Well, yesterday we uh, finished some stuff, like maybe one or two projects, but we didn't finish some of the major things that need to be finished, like the ramp that you see there didn't get finished, and there was a porch in back that we really wanted to get finished that didn't get finished. So we went back today and got the ramp finished and the back porch finished. And there's some three more things that we would like to have gotten done that we weren't able to get done, but the Lord will provide in those areas. Amen. And Janae, uh, what were your thoughts at the end of the day yesterday as we were leaving the school? Well, all I could think about all day was that this was a day to make me thankful for what I have in my home. Um, I live in America, but these kids live in America as well. And... I've never seen what I saw before. I didn't get to meet the kids. I so wish I could have met the kids. But um, what Jessica is doing is awesome, and, and it is more blessed to give than to receive, and I am just so glad that I had the experience. Amen. We want our young people to be doing good in their communities wherever they go. And I just want to tell you, those of you who are parents and have kids here, they, especially those that were, we got to work with, boy, they're good workers. These guys out in the hot sun really, really moved. They were amazing. And we hope that they continue to go on and to dedicate the rest of their lives in service for the Master, getting that connection with Him and working. By the way, the Maricopa Village Christian School does need further support. So if you're looking for opportunities, come and find Jessica. Good evening, everyone. Are you excited to be here tonight? Uh, We are very, very excited to be here tonight. My name is Kevin Sears. I'm the uh, coordinator here for the the ASI Youth for Jesus, the Youth for Jesus portion of the program. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about how the program went this year in Phoenix. Uh, First, I'll start out by saying it was warm. I think the average temperature during the month of July was 109. That's average, which means it was above that in order to average it out. And so it was warm. We had a great group. Nobody complained. And incredible things happened in this program this year, as you are about to hear about in a few minutes. We worked with 
uh, I guess, five sites. We had um, the Tempe Church. We had the Camelback Church. We had the Thunderbird Academy Church, which were basically the main churches. Then we had a Spanish church, and we had a community service um, church that we, that we worked with as well. And it's not actually a church, but, but some people were um, holding meetings. The NAPS group were holding meetings over at the community service. And that was very exciting. We had a lot of people give their lives to Christ, and a lot of incredible things happened in this program this year. Now, we're going to start out um, by interviewing. I will be interviewing a few people tonight. And our first person is going to be Samu. Samu, come on up here. This is Samu Moala. And um, Samu is from, where are you from, Samu? Uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City, Utah. Samu, how did you find out about the Youth for Jesus program? Um, ASI, oh. uh, <laughs> ASI actually sent a couple, a team of Bible workers to our school, uh, Gem State Adventist Academy. And they lived in the dormitories with us. And um, they actually taught us how to do evangelism. And I was a part of that program, and it was incredible. And uh, Samu, there was something significant that happened in your life during that program. You made a decision, a huge life decision. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I was actually deciding to fully commit my life to Christ for the first time. And as I was taking this action, the devil immediately started trying to tear my faith apart and discourage me. And so how did he do that? Um, I got a lot of offers, um, not a lot of offers, I, I guess, uh, I don't know how to say this. Um. Well, you, um, he, he was a rugby player, and um, so what was your dream growing up as a, as a young man? To be a professional rugby player, that was my dream, and um, as I was deciding to give my life to Christ, then the devil threw some... Um, incredible offers at me that I could have taken to just be involved um, with the activities of the world. And um, obviously I declined those offers because I'm standing before you this evening to testify that God is good. So Samuel actually received a phone call for a full scholarship uh, at a college in uh, New Zealand, I think? Yeah, it wasn't a, it was a rugby club. Yeah, it's a rugby club. They actually uh, played against them in the summertime, and then they actually offered me to go and uh, play with them this year. And so this was um, not just an average phone call from an average person. This was the Michael Jordan, if you will, of rugby that wanted Samu to, to be trained under him on how to play. And so how in the world did you make a decision to turn that down as a young man and follow Christ all the way here to Phoenix in July? Lots and lots and lots of prayer. <laughs> Amen. Lots of prayer. Yes. Um, I just prayed asked God to guide me and lead me and uh, just tell me what uh, he wanted me to do with my life. So. Amen. And so Samuel actually made a decision to be one of our speakers at the Gem State Academy program, one of 13 speakers. And then uh, we, we saw that uh, he would be the right person to come here and be one of our speakers at one of the sites for the Youth for Jesus program. He was a speaker along with Andrew Yeager over at the Thunderbird Academy Church. And it was an incredible blessing for them and for those that came. And so, Sammy, real quick, what are your future plans from here? Um, actually, next week I'll be going to AFCO uh, to further my education and um, f 
just try to do what God's calling me to do for evangelism. Amen. Thank you very much, Samuel. Thank you. you can go back. And now next is, um, this is Dick Knippel. He is the Vice President of Membership and Recruiting for the Pacific Union ASI Chapter. And uh, Dick has been a member of ASI for a long time, I believe. And uh, he was an, an ardent supporter here. And he came to a lot of the training classes. He came out almost every night, if not every night, to the, to the meetings. And he put a lot of time into this. And he was a great blessing for us. And so, Dick, why don't you tell us um, a little bit from your perspective about the program? Sure, I'd be happy to, Kevin. Thank you. You know, every time uh, ASI comes around, about July, we got started here July 10, it ended August 1, but about a month or so before the meetings kick off, I start thinking about a statistic that was generated back in 2002 coming out of a study done by the Southern Baptist Convention. It's a horrific statistic. They said that 88% of teenagers after they graduate from high school quit attending church. The statistic that uh, comes out of Andrews University just last year said that 40 to 50 percent and even more of Seventh-day Adventist students quit attending church after graduation from high school. Are those horrible statistics or what? So here we've got the Youth for Jesus program. What better way to solidify the young people into the church than have them out there winning souls. Because how can you go through a program like this, ultimately seeing baptisms, and then just brush the Holy Spirit aside and say, you know, HS, thanks for the memories. I'm going to go my own way. But are the young people that were involved in this program going to do that? I don't believe so. I was trying to think about some kind of a, a remark to make. You know, it's ASI Youth for Jesus is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, sliced bread dates back to 1928. So maybe we should say the greatest thing since the Internet, maybe since the iPhone. But uh, I, I just can't say enough. And I've been so pleased and so impressed with the work done by the team done by the individual members, done by the speakers. It takes a tremendous amount of effort. But the Holy Spirit was at work. And after all, what's, what's it all about? We're to serve God. We're to win souls. These young people have had a fantastic experience, haven't you? Raise your hands if you'd like to do this again. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Amen. Thank you, Dick. All right. Next on our list here is, this is Pastor Ray Navarro. He was the pastor of the Tempe Church, which is directly across the street from um, Arizona, Arizona State University. And uh, Pastor Ray was one of the first pastors that I, that I had spoken with when I first came here in February. And when I came out of that meeting, I knew that this was going to be a good program here in, in Arizona. And so, Pastor, why don't you tell us from your perspective what this program has done maybe for your church? Um, I think of what Jesus said to spread the gospel, to spread the gospel to all the world. 
And I think of the book of Acts, chapter 1, where he says, start in Jerusalem and then in Samaria, etc. And uh, we wanted to start, obviously, in Tempe, in our local church. But there's nothing that revitalizes an individual and a church, a group of people more than when they mobilize and work together as a team and work to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just does something to you. It does something to you not only as an individual, but as a, but as a whole group, as a church. And it was, in fact, uh, I believe it was in January that we had a, a meeting at the conference office, and I raised my hand, and, yeah, we want to be part of this as a Tempe church. And so we, got, we uh, signed up. We received some Bible workers. Uh, Leroy was uh, around here someplace, and uh, we've got some, uh, there he is right over there. There's Leroy over there. He was the first to arrive, and then we got, uh, I actually want to recognize him. Rachel, where's Rachel? Here's Rachel over here. And uh, Carla, where's Carla? Our other Bible work over there. And Dustin, where's Dustin? Right over here. And uh, we got some two great preachers. Raymond Torres is right over here. I just saw him. And David Weber right here. Um, I think they deserve an applause or an amen because they did a wonderful job. Our Tempe members, I need to say this, our Tempe members, we had a training sessions at the uh, Camelback Seventh-day Adventist Church, and our members, uh, they were on board. We had 40 members week after week going through the training, learning how to knock on doors and give Bible studies. And uh, we had four baptisms uh, just a couple of days ago. And it just revitalizes our church. There's nothing more that just really wakes us up and shakes us when we get together and move to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Here I have a couple of friends of mine. They are from the NAPS organization. Now, NAPS is the National Association for the Prevention of Starvation, which is run out of Oakwood College. And the last few years, they have come on board with us um, in the summertime to, to do their program in, in a couple of churches. And so uh, here we have Chance, we have Roderick Chance, and we have Trocon um, Dalmeda. And I will tell you, I have been so privileged and blessed as the NAPS has been a part of our program. You will not find uh, just more respectable, dedicated young people. And so uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit. They want to share a little bit about the program that they had here. Yes. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Um, so Trocon is my friend here. So Trocon, how many churches or how many sites did NAPS actually work this year? Well, we had the opportunity to work at, on two different sites um, this summer here in Phoenix. And what were those two sites? We work at the um, Adventist Community Center as well as the Monte Vista Spanish Church. Now, what kind of people do you actually serve there at the community center? What kind of people come there for service? Well, on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesday, um, the homeless people, about 150 homeless people, come to the community center. They receive food, clothing, as well as um, food for them for the course of the week. Now, what about the staff that actually work at the community center? Are they all Adventists? Well, there were four of the staff members that were non-Adventists at the community center. But after your programs, what happened? Well, we did an evangelistic meeting at the Adventist community center, and on a given night, we had 18 visitors um, uh, on a given night, and out of those 18, seven of them decided to give their life to the Lord, including four of the staff members. Amen. Amen. So what you are saying now, so now most of the staff, people there now, are actually Adventist. Yes, and as a result, there's a church now being planted at the Adventist Community Center. 
Amen. Now, I'm very interested in this sec second site that we worked, which is the Monte Vista Spanish Church. Tell us a little bit about the Bible studies that you had there. It was a blessing and a privilege to work at the Monte Vista um, Spanish Church. Um, the church member was on fire. The pastor was on board. We conducted some Bible study training, and we took about 150 church members out in the community, and we surveyed about 150 uh, people that were interested in doing Bible studies and out of those 150, we had 112 Bible studies scheduled while we was here in Phoenix. 112 Bible studies. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, for the meetings, for the meetings, what was the end result? What were the end results there? We had about 25 people come out each and every night. And out of those 25, we had 18 people give their life to the Lord. 18 people baptized. Praise God for that. Now, are you a Spanish speaker? No, I actually had a translator that I was working with called Isawi, and at the end of baptism, he looked at me and said, I want to get baptized. So I took everything that I had, took my cell phone off, we got into the water, he gave his life to the Lord, and he's inspiring to be a minister also. And actually, at this moment, we are actually helping Esau. We have filled out an application for him to be able to attend uh, Oakwood University. So by the grace of God, hopefully he will be there. I want to thank Kevin and Lisa for the awesome work that you've been doing there with all these youth. So thank you guys for making NAPS a part of the program every year as well. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more about NAPS, you can certainly approach them at the end of the program, and, and they'll be glad to share more with you. Now is my friends uh, Luke and Susan Skelton, and they, are, they live here, and they have been the, they are the hardest workers I think I've ever met. And they have been such supporters of this program. They actually did a lot of the groundwork and set a lot of things up way before we even came to, to begin the program here. And so, Luke and Susan, I'd like you to share with us how you became such, so involved in, in, in what area were you involved in the program here? Okay. Well, Kevin, you know, when we were unloading your truck back in probably about September, October time frame in the parking lot, I never would have thought that we'd be standing here talking about what we're standing yeah. here talking about tonight. But uh, the Lord's done amazing things here in Arizona, as you know, and it's just a privilege to be involved. And it's exciting to actually share with everyone that Phoenix, Arizona now has, by the grace of God, a new television station that is broadcasting the good news of Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, seven days a week, free to anyone that has an antenna and can watch TV. So it's just amazing. It's under the umbrella of the Arizona Conference. It's run by volunteers, local lay people here in the community. And it's just been exciting to be involved and a privilege to be involved with ASI to help win souls for Jesus here in Phoenix, Arizona. Some of the ways that we were able to partner with you all was that um, um, the Bible workers and the ASI Youth for Jesus youth went out in the blazing heat door to door as volunteers for Good News TV, um, telling people about the new channel and taking surveys and inviting people to take Bible studies, which people responded to, as well as yourself, Kevin, and the Bible workers recorded several spots for us um, offering free Bible studies as well as advertising for the upcoming Revelation, uh, Unlocking Revelation seminars, which the viewers also responded to. It was very exciting. And also, I'm going to go on. Basically, uh, we were able to broadcast the ASI Youth for Jesus programs live on TV here in Phoenix, Arizona. Amen? And people responded. People responded. 
We had people come out that had been watching it on TV that ended up coming to the live programs and making decisions for Jesus. And in fact, we have visited with at least a few that are actually here at the convention this weekend. So praise the Lord for what he's been doing. We praise God so much for ASI and Youth for Jesus. We just want to thank every single one of you so much for your hard work, um, for sharing with us all your enthusiasm and love for Jesus and the Word of God. And um, we're going to miss you. You've just, we've fallen in love with you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And praise God. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Amen. All right, next up is Aubrey. And Aubrey Seiler, um, how old are you, Aubrey? I'm 17. 17. So you're like an experienced veteran. At uh, She was one of our speakers at um, Camelback, and, and so you had all kinds of experience in this. How many times have you done this? I just finished my first one. <laughs> so this was your first one here at Camelback. Wow, that's interesting. You would have never have known it um, by the way that you, um, the Lord worked through you. Now, so how long have you been involved in evangelism? Well, basically last Youth for Jesus and this Youth for Jesus, so two summers. Excellent. And so this summer you were a speaker. Is there something about this program this year that you would say really stood out that you'd like to share with our audience tonight? Well, can I hold the mic? <laughs> basically, just the, the opportunity of being a speaker uh, is one of the most amazing experiences because you let you have the privilege of letting the Lord work through you and seeing lives changed in a matter of weeks that you would never see anywhere else. Just seeing somebody's life going from being completely opposed to what you're trying to convey to watching them be baptized weeks later is one of the most amazing experiences. And so... Is there, um, now I'm looking out here, and um, I see somebody in the second row to my right. I'm not going to point her out, but um, is there something about that you would like to share about that? Do I say your name? Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, one of my, I say my contacts. She was actually Kevin's contacts. Her name is Mary. Um, she was Catholic and strongly not quite interested in what Kevin was trying to get across to her the first few weeks he was here. But Kevin was persistent and <laughs> finally got into the house and they were actually interested in Bible studies. So they set to work on Bible studies. And when I came to the Camelback Church, I instantly hit it off with, with Mary. Um, she became like my second mom to me. And we just built this really strong bond. And then... I was told that she, was, she would be leaving, her and her son Joey would be leaving for Wyoming um, the, the, the weekend before the baptism. So I was very, very, very sad because I, was, I knew she had marked, she decided for baptism and I was just praying that something would happen that she would be able to stay and be baptized. And so I was sitting there in the front row at baptismal night and she wasn't there and I was very sad, and I was asking the Lord why he hadn't answered my prayers, thinking about Mary, and all of a sudden someone comes and sits down beside me in their baptismal robe. And I look over to my right, and it's Mary. And I 
burst out crying, and I'm, you know, I feel like I interrupt Doug Batchelor during his presentation, but it was, it was one of the most amazing experiences, and we were just there holding each other and crying, and she kept on saying, oh, Aubrey, you've changed my life, you saved my life, and I had to say, no, Mary, it wasn't me, it was God that changed, changed your life, so that was amazing. Thank you. Now, Aubrey, since you've had a taste for evangelism and you've seen how it changes people's lives, what would you say to our audience here tonight? I'm 17 years old. I've never done something like this before except this summer. I had no clue what I was doing. And yet, if I let my life stay open to God, He was able to guide it and work in amazing ways. So if I can do it, a 17-year-old, any one of you can do it. So just keep that in mind, because we can all do this. Thank you. Thank you, Aubrey. Any one of us can do it. Amen? All right, now our last, certainly not least, is uh, Jordan Kazire. And uh, we love Jordan. Jordan uh, was coming to the meetings at Camelback Church. And um, Jordan, how did you find out about the meetings? Uh, I got a flyer in the mail. <laughs> got a flyer in the mail. And did you come immediately out? Uh, no, I was actually going to throw it away the day I got it, but the Holy Spirit said, hang on to that. A few weeks later, I was in my room, and he told me to get it out and go because he had something for me there, and I got up and went. Now, there's, he has an amazing story, and uh, afterwards, I want you to approach him and ask him about it, but we're going to tell a little bit about that. You had a dream some time ago. Tell us about that quickly. Um, a little over a year ago on uh, June 20th, the Lord gave me a dream, and basically what it was is I was at my real estate office and I stepped outside of the office and I happened to notice that on the same lot as the office was this massive barn. And then leading to the barn were these four of the most beautiful sunflowers that I've ever seen. And he told me to write it down. So I wrote it down and exactly 13 months later, he revealed to me what that dream was. Uh, through the scriptures, the barn, he spoke to me through Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I then asked him, what was up with the sunflowers? Because I can't find sunflowers in scripture. But lovingly, he showed me that what it was is it had to do with a particular commandment of his. And uh, 13 months later, through Youth for Jesus, something was dropped off at my house on a Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon, and uh, so I'd like to show you what was dropped off at his house. If we could get a picture of this or, or get a close-up of that. The youth had dropped this off of all pictures on a magazine at Jordan's front door. Yeah, now real quick, that is obviously a sunflower, and this magazine is called The Biblical Lord's Day and Its Purpose, and it's particularly dealing with the Sabbath and when it truly is which is Saturday. Now, this, the sunflowers represented this. The, the, my real estate office and the barn were on the same lot, but they were not connected because work and Sabbath are not connected. The only way to get to that barn was to follow the four sunflowers that were in perfect alignment to that barn. Now, the journal entry that I wrote this on here has pre-printed scriptures at the bottom of the page, and you can decide for yourself. This was, the, this was the verse at the bottom of this uh, journal entry. Psalms 128, 1 through 2. Blessed, happy, fortunate is everyone who fears, reveres, and worships the Lord, who walks in His ways and lives according to His 
commandments. For you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Happy, blessed, fortunate shall you be, and it shall be well with you. Now the thing that really got me was I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, why were there four sunflowers? And uh, he asked me, what is the fourth commandment? And it is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. And uh, uh, if get the rest of the story. This is a condensed version. Uh, outstanding young man. We, ha we just, all of us fell in love with Jordan. And we want to thank you, Jordan. God bless you. You can file off. Okay, now it is time to move on in our program. Was that a blessing? Yeah. Amen. What a job we have here. I want to thank you at ASI for, for employing us to be blessed like this. And so now it is my privilege to announce your speaker for the evening. Now, before he gets up, we are going to have a special music, but I would like to um, introduce our speaker before that um, happens. He is a pastor of the Detroit Oakwood, Oakwood Seventh-day Adventist Church in Michigan, and he is also the director of the missionary uh, training program for campus ministries uh, in Michigan. And also, he holds degrees in Brandeis as well as Andrews, and he is the co-founder one of the co-founders of GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. And he is also the vice president of GYC. So I know a lot of you are going to, we're, we're going to receive a blessing. I know a lot of you know him already. His name is Pastor Justin Kim. Good morning. To those who are not here, but good evening to you. Happy Sabbath. I'm a bit nervous. Forgive me. We stand here amidst uh, many ministries, uh, many presidents, many deans and professors and important people. And I ask myself, why am I here? And I like to thank ASI for this uh, opportunity to be up here to, in, in many sense, in many ways, make a fool of myself. But that's my profession, the foolishness of preaching for Jesus Christ. As one who has witnessed many friends and associates emerge out of the ASI Youth for Jesus program, I attest to its success and necessary role in the Adventist Church, especially in these last days. I really do. ASI has been a wonderful parent to GYC, a generation of Youth for Christ. It has provided structure, wisdom, professionalism, and a certain classiness that ASI is known for. Is that true? You look around, you walk around, and there's a certain, wow, this is, this is ASI. I don't know, maybe you've been here maybe for 20 years plus and you don't see it, but when I come here, there's, this is ASI. And you say it that way, ASI. <laughs> GYC's other parents is Campus, the Center for Adventist Ministry to Public University Students. With Campus's unabashed characteristic to tackle biblical issues, and to be uniquely and unashamedly Seventh-day Adventist on difficult university settings, GYC is the, if you will, love child of these, both these two sponsors. ASI has a special commitment to evangelism and has had an enormous cascade effect to youth ministry as evidenced by GYC's desire to connect young people with self-supporting and church ministries. This evidence is not only in North America, friends, this is all over the world. And what you see here, these ASI Youth for Jesus guys coming up, the effects are worldwide. 
And I'm always jealous that they have the coolest t-shirts. The effect of these smallest things, these nuances, trickle down. I just came back from Zambia. And people there are watching this screen. And they're thinking, wow, what can we do to be like ASI Youth for Jesus? What can we do like, to be like campus? What can we do to be like uh, GYC? The whole world looks to these three organizations for the cutting-edge trends in youth ministry. So this morning, or this evening, or somewhere in the world it's morning, <laughs> I'd like to share with you the importance of youth and its ramifications for large organizations such as ASI. Before we do so, I ask you to bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we ask if we have offended thee in any way for the blood of Jesus to cover each person in this small hall. Father, be with the speaker. Cleanse the sins off his lips. Be with every person who hears this. Cleanse the sins off their ears. And may Jesus be glorified tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You still have your Bibles with you? Amen. Say so ASI still believe in Bibles? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke is the third gospel. Chapter 2 is the second chapter of Luke. Verse 40. Verse 40 to the end here. This is a, this is a not a, uh, 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 this is a, un, uh, this is a common story that all of you know. And tonight I hope uh, not to tire out, but through the Holy Spirit, to have a full understanding of this passage. Verse 40. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. This is one of the few passages we see of Jesus' childhood in the scriptures. We don't see any other stories of Jesus' childhood. We don't see whether he was dating in, in high school. We don't know if he had any teenage years. We don't know if he was a bad kid. I'm assuming he was a very good kid, okay, on, on Mary's knee. But this one story is mentioned and has importance to us today. Verse 40. The child grew. Isn't this amazing? Jesus grew. And what this passage is saying is, this is not an isolated event uh, proclaiming the divinity of Jesus, but this has merit for us as human beings. That means there was a point in Jesus when he wasn't doing something, or he didn't know something, and then after a certain period of time, he grew into it. And this gives us hope for us humans. Verse 41, the feast of the Passover came, and his parents went to Jerusalem. Now, Passover was the big event of the year. Joseph and Mary, every year, would come to the Feast of the Passover. They'd get on feastofthepassover.org and register for the Passover. They'd meet relatives, friends, ex-co-workers. They'd register for the annual Passover convention in Phoenix, Arizona. Every year they would pack their luggage and load up their donkeys and go to the donkey port and go through TSA and go through load their, their booth and come to the airport, uh, the donkey port in, in Phoenix and just go through the, the ugh of coming to AS uh, Passover. 
Every year, they would meet other kinsfolk and acquaintances while waiting in line for the registration at Passover. Every year, they'd line up for registration. They'd get a printout of, of the program. They'd give them the registration form, maybe a genealogy of their background to make sure who they are. They'd get a name tag, a brochure, and they'd read through who the speakers were and what seminars were being presented. They'd look around for which hotels were nearby Jerusalem. Place to stay, to move in, unpack. And perhaps... While and during their stay, there was a young Asian rabbi who spoke on Friday nights. <laughs> Verse 42, when Jesus was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Meaning Jesus, for, for 12 years, did not get to go, but finally when he's 12 years old, he gets to go to Passover. Passover. Classy place, prestigious place. The Hebrew culture made 12 years old the year when one became a son of the law, a son of the commandment. And we call this bar what? Mitzvah. From this point on, this child was no longer a child but became an adult. And here on Jesus' bar mitzvah, he attends the feast with his parents. Verse 43, when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Do you know this story? This is famous, yes? As they returned, Jesus tarried behind. Joseph and Mary did not know that Jesus was not with them. The fact that the parents did not know gives evidence that the parents trusted Jesus and that he was a good child. However, this also gives evidence that Jesus left his parents intentionally. He was making a point. He's a good kid. And good kids don't leave their parents and make them sad for, for, for no reason. 44. But after they, supposing to him to have been in the company, went a day's journey and sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. Joseph and Mary became entrenched in the annual humdrum of the convention. How many of you have been here many years? Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hands. This is your 90th year being here. <laughs> is ASI that, that old? I don't know. Don't answer that question. But you know what I'm talking about? I'm just even not talking about ASI. I'm talking about GYC. I'm just talking about the GC. Just anything that people come to. Do you ever get into the mode like you just go, then you go home? You come, and you go home. You know what I'm talking about? Now, for those of you who have red cords, this is your first ASI. This is, this is a wonderful experience. But I see the eyes of those who have black cords. Yes, we're here again. Now, don't get me wrong. I love ASI. This is a great occasion. And the Lord uses events like this to pour forth His Holy Spirit. Amen? But there is a danger when you come to events large such as this. Joseph and Mary allowed other interests to take up their attention. It was the same speakers, the same schedule, the same food, the same annoying people, and the same not annoying people that came to talk to them. Perhaps the parents were engaged in idle talk. Mary was finding out what happened to Elizabeth and her other relatives. Joseph was trying to find out what the politics was behind the new high priest. Maybe others were making fun of their carpentry for Yahweh booth in the booth section. I don't know. <laughs> now, these are not all horribly bad things, but the key word is this. In verse 44, the Bible reads, but they what? 
supposed, they assumed Jesus was with them the entire time. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever feel that way? You come to an event such as this and you assume Jesus is with you somewhere in the background. But, the, but the, the excitement, the adrenaline rush of being with other people, you kind of lose track of Jesus, but he's kind of somewhere in the back of your mind. They assumed Jesus was with them. For a whole day in the large crowd, and then the Greek actually says this was a caravan, there were some things that were going wrong. One, in large groups such as this, there is ambition that's being showed off. In large groups, people are finding golden opportunities, and everyone wants that golden conversation to find that golden businessman or golden businesswoman to provide gold. Am I making sense here? Ambition. And they're looking across to the other side of the booth and like, who is he talking? Oh, oh, he's talking with, I got to get in that action. There's pride, there's showing off, there's display, there's throwing around weight. My booth is larger than your booth. <laughs> I have tracks, I have keychains, I have highlighters. There is a level of gossip and joviality happening. They're talking about everything, anything. Is this making sense? I'm being very real here. I'm 28 years old. I don't know what to categorize myself. I'm not an adult, but I'm not a young person. And we are very sensitive to see what's happening. And this is the reality of it. And the additional thing is people are traveling. You ever come on Wednesday evening and go to registration? All of us are grumpy. People are mad. They're tired. The time change. The last thing they want to do is wait in line for registration for another 30 minutes. You find your A through L and K through Z or whatever it is. <sighs> this is part of the experience. And then the whole time, you think Jesus is with you, but he's what? He's not. He's teared behind. For a whole day, they lost their child. They spent the whole day assuming that a, such a good child as Jesus was with them. And after all, these were their family members all hanging around. This is, this is, this is the in-house. This is the, these are the saints. Surely we're okay here. This was the okay crown. Jesus should be okay. And these are my, our family members. How many days have we been here without Jesus? How many days have we been here without Jesus? intimate contact with Jesus. Not about Jesus, not hearing about Jesus, not seeing Jesus in pictures and, and Nathan Green, Green paintings, but intimate contact with the Lord and Savior of the universe. We have assumed that Jesus has been with us. Verse 45. When Mary and Joseph found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing, him, or hearing them and asking them questions. For three days, and we don't know how these three days work, if it's an additional three days, or if it's one day they went back and then they went back, you know, I don't know. But three days later, they haven't seen their child. Now you understand, this is Mary. Now how many of you are, are wives and mothers? Wives and mothers, when they lose something, they go into red alert mode. How many women have lost keys, handbags, passports, checkbooks, cell phones, 
children. <laughs> now you understand, Mary was given the sacred trust of the Son of God. She'd lost the Son of God. Now you do, you do understand, this was her own, this was her child, a miracle birth. In addition, while she was giving birth to this child, there was the whole Egyptian, uh, the persecution, they had to go to Egypt. So this child was someone that she just treasured a little bit more than, than, than anything else. To think that she's going to lose this child again, the possibility. She's freaking out. Mothers, you identify. She had nightmares of Herod. She was thinking, what will I do? My mother lost her cell phone once. And for about a couple hours, she's going around looking for things, and then after a couple hours passes, she goes into panic mode. You know what I'm talking about? Once you go into panic mode, you go into crazy mode. Once you go into crazy mode, you go into insane mode. Once you go into insane mode, you go into irrational mode. She's looking for her cell phone everywhere. Now, do men do this? Absolutely. But it's all internal. We don't say it out loud. We searched for the whole house, and guess where it was? It was in the refrigerator. <laughs> Sometimes life is hectic, amen, friends? Got a sandwich and put your cell phone in there. Here, they finally come after three days, and they find them in the temple, sitting in the midst of seminary professors. In my imagination, Jesus is wearing a night robe. I don't know why all the Uncle Arthur stories have him in a night robe. He's in a night robe, and he has a Jackie Onassis haircut. He's surrounded by these theological professors of his day. And these doctors should have received the message of Jesus. With a certain humility or a certain divinity, he's asking them questions and then answering questions and having this wonderful, beautiful dialogue. I would have chopped my left hand for a transcript of this discussion. If these professors would have ushered in this, this message, they would welcome the Messiah. But 18 years later, some of them are planning to kill Jesus. Verse 47, all that heard him were astonished, had his understanding and answers. And I'm telling you this, as you see these little munchkins and little kids up here, the ones who are 12 years old are capable of deep theological uh, ideologies. If Jesus could do it, and if Jesus was someone who grew, then the potential for our young people is just the same. Amen? Today, young people are not sufficiently challenged enough. This generation that's coming up has had the world handed to them, and they do not want the world unless a challenge that is, is given to them is beyond them. And there is only one challenge that it meets the dignity of the youth today. And that is spreading the gospel, the three angels' message, not just to North America, but the entire world. The world is at their fingertips. And the previous generation must hand this baton wisely, gently, and forcefully to this next generation. Young people at age 12 are capable of this kind of mission. Amen? But they're not sufficiently challenged enough. The largest problem in this church is that young people are sheltered in the church, but they're not converted, and they know the world is bad, and they know they should stay here, but because they're not converted, they're stuck in this trap. 
They hate being here. They know they shouldn't be there. So they're in between. And finally one day they'll crack and they'll go out into the world and never come back again. A high enough challenge will keep the young people involved. Once converted, youth can be one of the most powerful forces. However, they need expertise, wisdom, and experience of their elders. Without this bond, the results can be catastrophic. Verse 48, when the parents saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. In other translations, you have caused us pain. Verse 49, he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Meaning, the parents didn't get it. And I tell you, as a young person, there's nothing more frustrating when your mom and dad don't get you. I told my mom, Mom, I'm going to Arizona, Phoenix. I'm speaking at ASI. Well, that's nice, honey. Make sure you wear a coat. Uh, it's 117 degrees out there. Oh, well, we want to bring some sunblock. <laughs> Joseph and Mary did not know what Jesus' mission was. When a 12-year-old boy is lost, where do you go? Do you go to the seminary building? Is that your first choice that you go to? For three days, they probably went to the bakery. They probably went to the children's museum. They probably went to the zoo. They probably went to the school. They probably went to the summer school education. I don't, I don't know. You go where kids go. Amen? And the seminary was the last place they thought Jesus would be. They were trying to know where would Jesus be. They're trying to know, think inside his brain. If I were a 12-year-old boy, where would I be? Would I be at the falafel station? Would I be going over there getting sweets from the, from the, from the sugar guy? Where, where would he be? Many people today think they know young people. They think young people want rock and roll, drums, dancing, the Macarena and Macaroni Sabbath schools. They want to play Sesame Street puppets during Sabbath school. They want holy piercings and tattoos. They want to hang out at coffee shops, have music, chill sessions. They want to have playgrounds inside the church, disco balls, bakeries, candy shops, and zoos inside church. Now the thing is, as a young person, do you know how awkward that is? If you want to go to those things, you go to those things. You don't go to church to go to those things. You go to church to go to church. But there is a generation of youth for Christ today who want to be about the Father's business, who want to be in the Father's house, starting at age 12. Do you understand, ASI, we are at an important sociological crossroads in the church. For one generation, we swung rights. We went into traditionalism, we went into legalism, and we abused some of those principles. The next generation that came swung all the way to the which side? To the left. And they went to the other side and they said, hey, let's do away with this and do away with this. And now here we are in the third generation. We have a blank slate. We can see the mistakes of what one generation did and the abuses of another generation. And we have an, a historical perspective. Right now, the youth are at a crucial point where we need the experience of the previous generation. And what I'm telling you is this. ASI is on the cutting edge of providing that kind of support. This generation is radical. They want to be nuns and monks for Jesus. 
They want to be David Livingstons. They want to be Martin Luther Kings. They want to be John Wesley's, George Whitfield's, John Wycliffe's. Despite the, all these good things, there is a generation who wants to take the social justice and they want to help humanity on the next level in making the three angels' message a reality. Not just some mantra we shout out from the pulpit. Now, Jesus. Interesting, he says, my father's business. This was not their child. This was the father's child. Too often we think the things that are in our care are ours. Joseph and Mary were given a special sacred trust. And in essence, they abused it. They didn't abuse it by disobedience. They didn't, abuse, they, uh, they didn't lose it by some kind of huge sin. They just assumed that the status quo would be the status quo. Our resources are not ours. Often we become indifferent and complacent in North America because of our riches and resources. We start thinking that action, results, and projects initiated by us bring forth results. The reality is that our projects and our ideas are too low and too commonplace. We have to start saying, what does my father want? My father is a big God. A big God has big projects. Big projects need big money. In North America, despite the economy, we have a lot of money. We still play golf in this economy, don't we? We still have people who get $90 haircuts, don't we? We still have movies. They're still surviving, aren't they? Big projects need big money, and we should not be ashamed of our financial resources. There is a sentiment in the Adventist church that to be holy is to be poor. To be ashamed of our talents, to be ashamed of our resources, our intelligence, and I'll say this, even our age, I, I support and I encourage those of the previous generations, if you are old, then say you are old with all confidence in Jesus Christ. We need some old generation people who have uh, the faith, who have marriages of like 60 years and are still married together. We need those of who have gone before us. We need that experience. We need that confidence. But today we have older people who are ashamed of their age. We have rich people who are ashamed of their riches. We have intelligent people who are ashamed of their intelligence. What kind of father do they have? Who is their father? In the Adventist church, you have people who love sanctified poverty and ignorance. They say, I have no education. I have no degrees. I have no money. I subsist on barley green and activated charcoal and I live in a cave somewhere. <laughs> I am holier than everyone here. Where did that come from? Who is your father? I am about my father's business. I have a big God. My father's a rich man. And we should not be ashamed of these resources. Amen? 51. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus increased with stature and wisdom and in favor with God and man. Conclusion. Jesus was doing his work. He went outside of the box and he was even willing to offend his mom and dad to do his father's work. Joseph and Mary were not doing their work. They thought they were. And this is where the dangerous danger is. ASI, if you think you're doing God's work, be very careful. Because we can assume that Jesus is with us the entire time. God has shown them such great honor in choosing them as holy parents. They had position. They had honor. 
but they wasted it on camp meeting, on ASI, on GYC, on a big event. The issue is not whether you know God or whether, God, whether you trust God. The issue is, does God know you and does God trust you? If God has given you Jesus, will you take care of this precious gift with all your might and power and energy and finances and everything that who you are? Assumption is the enemy of the sacred. We must stop assuming that Jesus is with us. We must take up and reconsecrate our sacred responsibilities, even if it causes our moms and dads to be hurt, if you will. We need aggressive university deans who are willing to take an ideological and a theological stand according to the Bible and uphold this sacred trust. We need aggressive businessmen and women who are willing to build schools, invest in youth, finance technologies, and move those that they can influence toward heaven as fast as possible. We need aggressive artists and musicians and professors. We need aggressive church leaders to manifest the character of Christ on an administrative level, making the church more dependent on Christ, not on evangelical ideas, not on historical issues that are from the past, not progressive propaganda, and not conservative, conservative traditionalism. We need to move forward because Jesus is coming soon. Now, young people are tired of that mantra. We say Jesus is coming soon over and over again, but we need action now. What is the sacred work of ASI? What is the sacred trust given to GYC? What is the function of youth for Jesus in these last days? What is the function of your booth? What is the sacred trust given to your individual ministry? What is the function and the trust of the Seventh-day Adventist church? Have we assumed that Jesus has been with us? Do we just assume that his hands are upon our shoulders? Do we just assume he's in this hall? Right now, as I look upon this group, I fear that if we assume Jesus is here, competition will set in to this organization. We have hospitals fighting against those who believe in natural medicine. We have self-supporting schools who fight against universities. We have media organizations against other media companies. We have publishers against publishers, and we have booths against booths. This is not an appropriate environment for Jesus to work in. How will you tarry behind in Jerusalem to do the Father's business? How will you break out of the mold and start doing the Father's business even if it offends those around you? We need a certain kind of I don't careness in our ranks. And the only thing we care about is one person, and guess who that is? My father. My father. This sacredness, this understanding of the sacred task will cause us to empty our wallets for Jesus. This sacred trust will cause us to take a creationist stance on science discussions. This sacredness will cause us to find purpose, meaning, passion, and it will cause us to know our Savior deeply. By knowing Him. Is this your desire? I speak frank to all of you. I don't know you. But I'm saying, how many more ASIs do we need? Now, don't get me wrong, I love ASI. There is a classiness here that I aspire to be. But I pray we don't have a GYC ever again.
I pray we never have an ASI again. I pray we have the camp meeting of all camp meetings, where? Upstairs in heaven. Do you want to be about your father's business? Do you want to stop this playing around and assuming and stupid competition? Do you want to not care about anything else? Is that your desire, ASI? If that is your sincere desire, please stand and pray with me now. Father in heaven, Lord, forgive us for assumptions. Forgive us for supposing that Jesus is here with us. Forgive us for playing around and doing what we want to do, thinking we're doing ministry. Lord, every person in this room, help us to be about your business. We may be doing the same things, but may our hearts be in the right place. And may we be like the 12-year-old Jesus with his innocence, with his direction, with his humility, and his focus. We ask that you change us anew again. We pray this in Jesus' name. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.